It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you're Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we're talking about the loss of stability from the trade of Julio Jones within the Falcons offense and one way that the Falcons conceptually can replace that in 2021. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter, at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is brought to you by rockauto.com, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. So today's episode, we're going to talk about stability. And I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago, you know, right before Julio Jones got traded and talked about sort of the loss of stability in the Falcons offense that Julio provided for many, many years. And today we're going to explore sort of what I mean by that, by talking about not only the Falcons offense and, uh, you know, what Julio Jones allowed you to do, but also the Titans offense under uh, Arthur Smith these past two years in terms of what Derrick Henry allowed them to do as Derrick Henry filled a similar role uh, in that Titans offense. And sort of then that will lead us into a conversation of one way uh, where the Falcons can maybe compensate for the loss of Julio Jones uh, to try to better pit, fit the personnel that remains here in Atlanta. And one method uh, that I feel like would make a lot of sense for the Falcons to utilize in that regard. But, you know, today's episode, we're going to talk about some various concepts, talk about sort of how Derrick Henry and, and Julio Jones being sort of the alphas in their respective offenses these last several years allow their respective play colors, obviously Arthur Smith and, uh, you know, Derek, Dirk Cutter and Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Shanahan, et cetera, um, to basically allow teams, teams are going to game plan specific ways against them. And today's episode, we're going to talk about these concepts and they're going to be very oversimplified, right? It's not to sit here and say like, this is every, you know, this is not everything. This is just sort of the tip of the iceberg, but just one way of understanding how personnel affects game planning, how personnel affects play calling. And when you have these sort of, you know, star players like Derrick Henry and Julio Jones, what that means for you as a play caller and how that makes your job a little bit easier in certain ways. So I want to make that clear, not to sit here and say like, this is everything that the Falcons offense is, or this is everything that the Titans offense is. It's way more complicated than how I am going to describe it uh, today, but this is just one way of, of sort of understanding that. And so, you know, the, the key term of today is stability and sort of what we mean by that, or what I mean by that is how it leads defenses to be a little bit more predictable and how they game plan against you. And let's start things off talking about the Titans offense and Derrick Henry. And you know what 
they're focused on running the football, you're going to get a lot of stacked boxes. And that leads, particularly in early downs, for teams to play a little bit more cover three against you because on early downs, teams want to basically be able to defend both the run and the pass because early downs, we're talking about first and second down, typically are over, you tend to be where teams run the football. Third down is overwhelmingly a passing down. So you have to sort of gear towards the run on those early downs. And part of the reason why cover three has been so popular over the last seven, eight years in the NFL is because comparative to say a coverage like cover two, which is probably the second most popular coverage, it is much easier to add an eighth defender in the box uh, to help defend the run. That's one of the reasons why you see the sort of classic cover three safety being more of that bigger run thumper enforcer, like a Cam Chancellor or Keanu Neal than necessarily in other defenses. And so the cover three does a good job of sort of balancing the two of sort of like not having, not being super vulnerable to the big play over the top. If a team does decide to pass the ball in those early downs, but also having that a little bit extra ability to bring that extra safety into the box where in the cover two, those guys have deep responsibilities and really are out of it when it comes to run support. But one of the vulnerabilities of the cover three is sort of those seam routes and, and where that's located often that's the sort of in breaking routes from the outside receivers, those intermediate crossing routes. And that was a staple of the Arthur Smith offense in Tennessee with players like AJ Brown running it to great success uh, these last several years. Um, And, you know, again, this is an oversimplification because most of the data that I have seen, Relatively speaking, the Titans saw more man coverage when they threw the ball um, these past years, particularly last year, uh, than most teams. But I did thought think it was interesting looking at Pro Football Focus's data of receivers versus man or zone, and it didn't specify what type of zone that they were facing, but all zone concepts, that both A.J. Brown and Corey Davis – uh, were ranked in the top 10 in yards per route run against zone coverage. And you saw a considerable larger number of, um, you know, a yard bigger increase of yards per reception when they were facing zone versus when they were facing man. And they were also the only team Tennessee that is to have two receivers in the top 10 in yards per route run against zone this past year. So the point still stands that the Titans were very effective when they were able to attack zone. And so what this, what we're talking about is the presence of Derrick Henry, essentially what I'm to summarize, what I'm talking about, the presence of Derrick Henry, because teams know they have to sort of sell out, so to speak against the run. That means they're going to probably be more inclined, particularly on early downs to play, um, you know, cover three zone, because that's going to give them that right balance of being, okay, we get an eighth guy to stop Derrick Henry, but if they pass, we can still uh, generate, um, you know, we can still stop the big play in the, in the passing game. But Arthur Smith's offense is basically trying to attack that with those intermediate crossing routes and AJ Brown. If you go watch any AJ Brown highlight video on YouTube uh, from the last year or so, you're going to see a lot of those intermediate crossers and a lot of plays after the catch um, where he would get big gains in that way. And so that's the point I'm trying to make is like Derrick Henry sort of sets that up, right? That's the stability. That's the predictability that Derrick Henry provides that teams are going to try to stop the run first, which is going to make defenses a little bit more predictable, which is going to be easier to exploit for Arthur Smith as a play caller. And we'll sort of talk about how Julio Jones creates a similar situation, albeit via different coverages and whatnot uh, in the Falcons passing game 
as we move forward on today's episode. But of course, I have to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where the NBA playoffs are ongoing, as well as teams are gearing up uh, for the upcoming NBA draft. And your favorite NBA team has a daily podcast devoted to wherever they are in this uh, postseason or offseason part of the calendar, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland as the Hawks try to make their way through the second round of the playoffs against the Philadelphia 76ers. And you can check out Locked on Hawks or your favorite NBA team's daily podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And of course, there's no time like the month of June to get started at bet online. You got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and of course, baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. And it's not just sports, bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag use the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit that means that if you deposit 200 bucks you get a hundred dollars in free money to play with again using that promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So with Julio Jones and the sort of stability that we're talking about on today's episode that he provides to the offense, Julio Jones's presence makes teams fearful of playing man coverage against the Falcons, right? When the, when the, the main way that teams play man coverage in the NFL is they will play cover one, which means there's a single high safety to hopefully guard against the big play if one of their guys gets beat, or at least to prevent a touchdown if somebody gets beat. But everybody else is you know locked up man-to-man you know, against whoever they're facing. And what that does when the Falcons see that is traditionally what you'll see is, is Matt Ryan pulling a Babe Ruth, or if you're, you know, an eighties baby and you remember uh, the, the great cinematic masterpiece known as major league, Jake Taylor calling his shot, right? He's pointing to the fence. And he's like, Oh, we're, we're getting cover one. We're going deep to Julio. And you also see that nowadays with Calvin Ridley as well. But it's basically when you play cover one against the Falcons, you were inviting a 40-yard play. And a great example of this is the 2015 game against the New York Giants at the end of that game where the Giants were, due to circumstances, were forced to – basically they blitzed. They had a nickel blitz, and they were set up in cover two. They went nickel blitz. So it basically turned into a cover one shell, and that left Prince of Mukamara – 
one-on-one against Julio Jones with like, you know, whatever, three minutes to go left in that game. And Julio burned him on a 37 yarder. And that set up the game winning touchdown in that giants game. And it's it basically, if you're going to play cover one against the Falcons with Julio Jones on the field, you were basically daring the Falcons to get a 40 yard touchdown against you or a 40 yard touchdown against you, you know, with, with Calvin really doing the same thing. Um, and so what you'll often see teams do is if they're going to play man coverage against the Falcons, they will play cover two man. Um, and that was something that the Saints did, especially last year. They used more two-man concepts than any other team in the NFL last year, uh, and that represented about 20% of their coverage concepts. And that lo- sort of allows cornerbacks to be a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage, knowing that they're going to get deep safety help, and their, their job is to basically play more of a trail technique against that guy and, and guard against the underneath and the in-breaking stuff, while the, the safety is more responsible for the deep stuff. So it makes it a job easier for the cornerback. And the benefit of the Falcons having this, um, that was, you know, pretty effective against the Falcons, uh, last year in keeping Julio and, and Ridley relatively, uh, in check, uh, in, in some of those Saints games last year, although we know Ridley, uh, you know, had a big game in one of those games. But, you know, one of the benefits of adding a player like Kyle Pitts, if teams were going to play that, style of defense is that with the safeties providing that help to the outside, you would to the outside corners in those, in that two man concept, you would basically putting Kyle Pitts, a tight end like Kyle Pitts one-on-one with whoever's tasked with covering him, which in most circumstances would be a linebacker or a nickel corner. And you would feel really confident uh, that the Falcons would be able to exploit that in a major way. And so that was one of the things that got people really excited about, you know, this, having Julio, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley on the the field at the same time because it would seemingly be impossible to cover all three of those guys um, and and provide help for the the guys that are covering for all of those guys. Someone's going to be stuck on an island against one of those guys, um, and, you know, the Falcons would find ways to easily exploit that. And so it would basically lead to, you know, teams for the large part being forced presumably to play a lot more zone coverage against the Falcons because very few teams have sort of the personnel to match up man to man against that trio of receivers. And then that would allow the Falcons to really attack those zones. But obviously you're not going to get that circumstance with Julio Jones being gone. But the other factor was with Julio Jones and the thing that made him special, as as you guys are well aware of, is even though we knew that every game teams were going to be game planning against Julio Jones and trying to bracket him with double coverage and whatnot, Julio was still more than capable in that sort of rare guy that was able to still, despite facing all that attention, all those brackets, all those double teams, still you know, be able to break out of that and have big games. And, you know, for the thing I've said for many, many years is like, if you're a defense and you you would take it as a win, if you could successfully contain Julio Jones and what we mean by containing Julio Jones is, is still allowing him to catch like six passes for like 75 yards. And if you kept them out of the end zone, you would be like, okay, that's a win for us. You know, I think most defensive coordinators would take that as a win. And I think one of the questions that the Falcons are going to have to face now without Julio Jones is, is Calvin Ridley capable of being that type of player? And I think, you know, so far his body of work has shown that that's not going to be as consistent as it was with Julio Jones, where you could expect several games like that, or, you know, frankly, almost every week where Julio Jones was liable to go off in that way. Um, and I think Ridley will have some games like that, but I don't know if that's going to be something that you can sort of be as tried and true 
as it was with Julio Jones. Um, and you know, the thing about Julio was that even with all that attention, you would still get like a half dozen, you know, games where he would have like nine or 10 catches for like 150 plus yards. Uh, even despite the fact that teams were double teaming him in a lot of ways. And I don't know if that's going to be a thing that will continue to, in the, in the future with Calvin Ridley as your, as your main weapon, hopefully Kyle Pitts, you know, the, the, the hope is, and one of the things that makes us excited about Kyle Pitts's potential is that I think he could have, he does have the potential to grow into that type of player that teams will try to game plan against. Um, and still he'll find ways to break out against that because of just the, the sort of the sheer mismatch of, you know, him going up against linebackers, corners and safeties. Um, so we'll see how that develops, you know, but I'm not expecting that to happen in year one, but you know, I think this, presence of Julio Jones gave play callers, you know, that sort of stability, that stable foundation on which they could build upon the rest of their offense and the rest of their game plan, because you knew that Julio could do these things and you don't have that anymore. And we'll sort of wrap up today's episode by talking about one way that the Falcons can maybe try to compensate for this by changing sort of how they call plays, because they're not going to have that sort of outside presence uh, to the same degree without Julio as they would have had with Julio. And I think there's one way that the Falcons can compensate on that. And we'll talk about that as we wrap up today's locked on Falcons podcast. Now, did you guys know that built bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market has nine delicious flavors. Whether you're a fan of coconut almond, like me, or you like cookies and cream, salted caramel, peanut butter, brownie, mint, brownie, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, coconut, or raspberry, there's a flavor for everyone, and you can try them all with a mix box, getting two each of all nine flavors. And Built Bars, they taste just like a candy bar. That's why they taste great. They all contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. My favorite coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. But it's not just about Built Bars' great taste. It's also about Built Bars' contribution to how healthy you can be this summer and this year because built bars all are low in sugar and calories high in protein and fiber i like using them as a low calorie meal replacement for breakfast and lunch you can use them to give yourself that energy boost you need pre or post workout as you work your way into that summer beach body now that quarantine has been lifted use built bars however you want just head over to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com. So several months ago, I had to get my brakes fixed and a taillight replaced, and I wound up paying a lot more money for it. And I saw this receipt and I knew that I had made a big mistake because I could have saved a lot of money by just heading over to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control modules, motor oil, new carpet, as well as the brake parts and tail lamps that I needed. I could have gotten everything I needed in a few easy clicks delivered directly to my door. And you can too, because the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose by brand specification or the price that you prefer. And the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts i myself need to become a do-it-yourselfer so i can save money and you can too just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on any how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so the big question is how do the Falcons compensate for losing Julio Jones? And obviously if I had all the answers to this, I wouldn't be out here podcasting. I'd be coaching somewhere and getting paid uh, a lot of money uh, using this knowledge to make more money. Um, but I think one of the drawbacks of losing Julio Jones is you don't necessarily have an ideal option to replace him as an outside receiver. Russell Gage seemingly is the first guy up, but he doesn't 
at least so far in his short NFL career, hasn't really shown the skill set that is ideally suited to be an outside threat. You know, when you look at his yards per route run, when he's not lined up in the slot over the past few years, he's about league average for wide receivers. Uh, and, you know, he's struggled to generate explosive plays on vertical throws, on deep throws, with Matt Ryan only completed about 19% of his 20-plus yard throws to Russell Gage over the last three years. You compare that to Harry Douglas, another slot receiver from Matt Ryan's past that was not particularly great throwing, running those deep routes. And, you know, Matt Ryan's completion rate to Harry Douglas on deep throws was 24%, so higher than what it is with, with Russell Gage. But I think one of the ways that the Falcons can compensate for this is by running a lot more bunch in trips formations or those three by one sets where you have three wide receivers lined up on one side of the formation. And you'll often hear this referred to as trips. Um, and one receiver is sort of alone on the opposite side of the formation. And Julio was often the guy that was sort of singled up on that one side. But I think the Falcons will now move forward and you'll probably see a healthy mix of either Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts sort of being that singled up receiver on the outside. Um, you know, one offense that I know uses a lot of this is uh, the Packers, and they would often put Devontae Adams as that single singled up receiver. And obviously you have the connections between the Packers with Matt LaFleur, who was the predecessor of Arthur Smith in Tennessee. And, and Arthur Smith essentially is running a variation of that LaFleur offense. Um, and, you know, by putting your best receiver singled up, the tendency is for defenses when they play with a single high safety, um, they will shade that safety to the trip side of the formation, which means that cornerback that's singled up against that lone receiver on the opposite side of the formation will not have nearly as much help. And, you know, that's obviously something that you can hopefully easily exploit with a player like Ridley or Kyle Pitts on that sort of singled up side of the, of the formation. But then on the trip side of the formation, whether you have the three receivers, if you use a bunch formation and have those guys sort of, you know, close to the line of scrimmage and, and all in close proximity to each other, you know, it's much easier to get those guys free releases um, because teams are going to be less inclined to press those guys because they don't want to have too many corners in pro close proximity and they'll get all jumbled up. And, you know, that can lead to sort of picks and whatnot. And that's something that the Packers use quite a bit is using like the two receivers to sort of create a screen or a pick for one receiver and sort of run those shallow crosses under Matt LaFleur. And I think because a player like Russell Gage is not necessarily the vertical threat that you want, ideally want at that outside receiver, this would be a great way of utilizing him, whether he's running those shallow crosses or the fact that he's getting a free release off the line of scrimmage against an outside corner with those sort of bunch formations. Um, and then you can sort of utilize all those guys, whether we're talking about, you know, Pitts, Ridley or Hurst or whatever, all those guys can run ver various variations off of that. And you can get a nice combination and be very versatile and be, you know, somewhat unpredictable with how you're going to utilize those formations. You know, one of the things that teams like to utilize the bunch formation, particularly that trip side um, is because it becomes harder for defenses to communicate uh, their coverage responsibilities. And then you also tend to get a little bit more predictable with their coverage responsibilities because of that difficulty to communicate where guys are running all over the place and, and guys are, are you tracking that guy? Are you going to this guy? Are you switching off with that guy? You know, oftentimes 
if you have a deep safety on that trip side, you know, he'll be responsible for the deeper route. You'll have one defender, you know, a corner or nickel corner, whatever the case may be. He'll be responsible for any receiver that releases inside. Another corner will be responsible for a receiver that releases outside, but that predictability makes them much more exploitable because you can sort of use those rules against the defense where you can have multiple guys go deep or two guys go inside or two guys go outside. And then that sort of would presumably put one of those defenders in conflict. And obviously the quarterback should be able to exploit that. So I think this is one way that the Falcons can um, compensate for the loss of Julio Jones, compensate for the loss of not really having an ideal uh, outside receiver, because one of the things that you want in an outside receiver, and one of the reasons why guys like Gage and Zacchaeus and, and others have not necessarily blossomed in that way and why the Falcons, you know, not having that X wide receiver is because the Falcons don't really have other receivers that have shown at least up to now besides Julio Jones that can reliably beat press coverage. And, you know, you do have a player like Kyle Pitts and that's one of the things that people have been discussing myself included that, you know, in recent days, in recent weeks, you know, are you going to get to see Kyle Pitts be utilized more as a wide receiver uh, to sort of help fill that Julio size void uh, on the outside in, in the trips formation? If he's sort of the singled up receiver split out wide and, you know, you have guys like Ridley Gage and, and Hurst, you know, to the trip side of the formation, that would be example of sort of getting Kyle Pitts lined up wide and being more of that receiver type. But I don't know if you're going to have him traditionally lined up wide as much sort of as, you know, a true wide receiver as maybe some people are predicting, but we'll sort of have to see. And I just think this is one way that the Falcons can sort of compensate by that. And you, you might see a bunch of uh, trips formations in, in the Falcons because they don't have that other vertical threat on their offense, um, at least at the wide receiver position or reliable vertical threat. You can, you can still get occasional big plays from guys like Zacchaeus and, and Gage from here and there and, and Ty J sharp, et cetera. But you're not going to have nearly as reliable a vertical threat as you had in Julio Jones or with some other past players like, you know, the incomparable Marvin Hall and Aldrick Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and all those guys that the Falcons have had in the past. So um, I think this trips formation sort of stuff, uh, three by one sets will be one way that the Falcons can help compensate for that for the aforementioned reasons. So that's what I wanted to talk about on today's episode, guys. That's where we will wrap it up. And um, I'll just give you guys a heads up. There will not be an episode up tomorrow. Um, we're going to probably do three shows this week, at least three shows this week. Um, I'm going to try to see if I can get a guess, but our next episode probably won't be till Wednesday. And that will probably be a Q and a um, in all likelihood. And then Friday, the goal is to have the Ade Ogundeji Scott report up. And then Thursday, we'll see if I can get a guest, if I can get an interesting guest and we'll have that. But, you know, definitely Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week um, and possibly we'll be at three shows a week next week. And then next week, hopefully I will be able to finish the um scattering reports and, and whatnot next week. I know I'm not going to get done this week, but uh, we'll wrap. Hopefully we'll wrap up the draft class by the end of next week. Um, so, you know, this will be taking it easy. We'll eventually get back to five shows a week, probably uh, at the end of this month. But uh, that's the plan for right now, guys. But uh, there's an opportunity for you guys to send in questions uh, for our next episode on Wednesday, which should be a Q&A episode. And you, of course, can submit your questions via Twitter to Locked on Falcons, via Facebook to Locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to Locked on Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Until then. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.